Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. I'm so excited. We've been talking about this podcast for a while now uh, to bring it on. And, uh, you know, before we get into it, we'll have a few housekeeping items. But as always, I have my trusted co-host, Connor, with me. How you doing, man? Doing awesome, dude. Doing awesome. Just excited, as always, with uh, all the exciting things going on. And uh, got an awesome episode for everybody today. So looking forward to it, dude. Yes, it's uh, it's a subject that... We get asked about so much and we talk about a lot on the podcast because it is so important to understand the industry as a whole, what's happening and the future of it. Um, so we had mentioned we were going to bring Lance on and uh, he's, you know, and when we look at the storage industry, a few names come to mind that are on the forefront of technology and what's happening. And, uh, um, Lance is absolutely at the top of that list. So he's going to, you know, be really insightful. We had him on when we were first starting. It was like our second, third episode or something. So, uh, the quality wasn't uh, that great, but uh, we've come a long way on the podcast. And so this should be a lot better with that. Um, we aren't, you know what, we're not even going to go into anything else. I'm just going to bring him on. And uh, with that, Lance Watkins, welcome. Hi, AJ Connor. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. Thanks for coming you on. Bet, man. I am excited. Uh, we've been, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. And uh, it's so important to give context to a lot of our listeners on what the storage industry has been through, where it's going, and understanding why. Like, what are those drivers of change? Uh, but before we get into any of that, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell our audience uh, a little bit about you. Sure. So I've been um, in the storage industry since the about the mid-90s and, uh, um, you know, did some homework on various commercial real estate opportunities and had some mentors and uh, was fortunate enough to, to spend time with three very successful mentors all in real estate who um, all had a lot of suggestions for me, but they all had mentioned self-storage. And I thought that was interesting, particularly since they came from the three largest storage markets. One was in Florida, one was Texas, one was California. So after sort of getting that consensus, I started doing my my homework within the storage space and came up with a unique um, niche to to where I started. And that was long-term ground leases on Southern California Edison right-of-ways. So power line easements that were brownfields, essentially, that couldn't have buildings on it. And the first, I don't know, half dozen facilities I did were these 65-year ground leases utilizing containers that um, I had made in um, offshore in Shanghai and retrofitted for storage. Uh, tremendous tax advantages uh, at the time, you know, 
we, we probably didn't know how easy it was at the time because just about anything you built was successful. But, you know, the first facility that I opened was about 85,000 square feet and it rented to 90% in 90 days. And, and, um, that was my, you know, my starting You were point. hooked. <laughs> I was hooked. Yeah, it was, it was, it was too easy. Um, it's not that easy anymore, but, uh, uh, you know, I think in the, in the nineties, eighties, nineties, you probably could have just about built any project and, and, and done well. It's not the case today. The market's changed. The product's changed. The, the, the customers have changed. There's, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of shifts, but I, it really was a build it and they will come. And I was just fortunate enough and to be in the right place at the right time and started down that path. And, and, um, um, not only started in a creative space, but started looking at other creative ways to, to market our space. And, you know, early on the, not that I'm a technologist cause I'm not, but day one, when Google started, I was curious as to what that was and, and, you know, built a website when in the times where it was, um, it was, it was pretty archaic with the, the thought in mind that it was a complete waste of time, didn't make any sense at all. And lo and behold, it started working. And uh, continued to drive down that path of, of digital marketing and staying, you know, consistency consistently at the forefront of that, um, because it, it was it was um, a much higher return uh, than the the previous methods that we used to find our customers. And you know, is that is that became more complex and um, uh, and. Uh, a, a larger differentiator in the marketplace, I realized that the, the limiting factors were, um, you know, budget size, um, the size of the company, and maybe most importantly, access to the, the data that we needed to, to make the decisions and run the businesses um, in the way that we needed to, and it was being limited by the marketplace. And so we decided to start building software to unchain our data and give us access to um, what we thought we needed to do to make business decisions, to run our businesses differently, or, or at least to how we thought as business owners that, that, that we had a competitive advantage in the marketplace. So tell me a little bit about your first venture and uh, kind of where you started and in, in, in the road you went down on the software side and storage. Um, you know, what was its, what was its purpose? Well, the first, I would say, other than just building digital marketing um, and entering social media marketing at, a, at an early time frame, the first tech company um, that I built in, in storage related to the auctions. And if any of the listeners um, ever saw Storage Wars, uh, I was involved with original productions and, um, uh, and A&E to bring that into the, the storage industry at a time at the time. Um, everybody was deathly afraid of the, of the concept, uh, thought it would, it would, uh, destroy our business. And the concept was actually built on a news piece that was shot at one of my storage facilities. And I, and it was a large, a large news, news agency in Los Angeles, millions of viewers. And, um, I actually only had positive response, um, not expecting that by the way. And I, and I, and I actually didn't, um, uh, approve of, the filming of the process. It, it, it happened organically. And so, um, I realized that there were some benefits to, uh, 
exposing the process to our customers because we could communicate with them differently. Um, we would never have that conversation previously to that uh, to that show that there's a lean process, um, and it led to better communication with our customers, um, getting better secondary information, having less collections, less uh, spaces going to auction, and if they went to auction, we actually received we we recovered more money, which was good for the customer. It's within the intent of the law to to have a commercially reasonable sale, so. With all of that combined, I realized there was an opportunity to move the hauler auction, meaning hauler, everybody, you know, sits there and screams like you see on television to online to more of a, of, of a, of a, uh, an online auction process. And so that was the first tech company called Storage Treasures. Um, we became the highest trafficked uh, website in the world in, in self-storage in the first year past public storage. And it opened up a lot of technology opportunities. Uh, so that was that was number one. Um, number two was uh, a collective called Store Local. Still, um, I'm still involved, still a, a shareholder and um, um, board member. And that was the concept to get the scale that we needed. Remember, the scale is part of the problem. And so we have about 13 or 1400 facilities now working together in the collective. And then the third was a technology company um, called Tenant Inc., which was really um, uh, originally conceptualized to be within the co-op, but the co-op wasn't a, the, the right vehicle to drive a tech company. So we, um, we started another company and um, um, basically transferred the tech from store local into tenant and tenant is a full technology company building an entire platform for, for the self-storage industry to, to operate their businesses and, in um, uh, and, and, and taking the approach of how the market shifted, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in, in a minute. So it's, it's, a, it's a complete rebuild to how we operate our businesses um, from a software perspective currently uh, to taking it to where we, we think as, as storage owners and, and business owners that the, that the market is going. Now, let me ask you this, because um, it's an interesting progression that you've kind of been in. What did you learn with storage treasures that it, it, it kind of snowballed into this store local and uh, then tenant? What did you learn in storage tr treasures that you implemented through store local and carried on? Well, <clears throat> you know, this was in um, about 2009 and 10 and still um, – Traffic and page views and visitors uh, were still, you know, probably some of the, the most important metrics in digital marketing. And we had such a large percentage of that within the marketplace that a lot of um, technology companies and public storage companies, large storage companies um, and, and tech startups were wanting to partner with us. They, they wanted to, to really get at our traffic. And what, what that did is it exposed the, um, the trajectory of what was happening on, uh, in, in the online marketplace. And it, at the time, um, there, there was always this concern that, that self-storage is consolidating, consolidating, consolidating. And it really hadn't. I mean, since about the beginning of the public companies up until 
about four or five years ago, they really stayed pretty consistent, meaning that the the percentage of, of real estate owned by public companies compared to, to the private operators stayed around 10%. Um, so there wasn't truly a consolidating uh, situation happening within the ownership of the real estate. But what was consolidating at, a, at, a, at an alarming rate was the, the real estate online. So uh, to give you, an, a, you know, a simple example, public storage at the time owned about 5% of the storage um, uh, facilities or properties in the United States, yet they probably had about 25% of the online market share. So it was disproportionate to their real estate holdings. Then you had tech companies coming in and offering services like the OTAs, like online travel agencies that we're all familiar with, like the, the hotels.com, Expedia, Hotwire, et cetera, uh, coming in and, and taking the online market share for people that were looking for storage, and yet they owned no storage facilities, right? So another inadequate um, comparison between real property ownership and online, and online market share. So the, the theme that we took from that was that once um, the online market share or the customer consolidated, we would then see real property consolidation. And that's, and that's exactly what, what happened. Um, now we're, we've almost doubled that. We're probably somewhere in the 18% on the public companies, um, are, you know, there's a, there's a lot of debate over our product, whether it's a commodity or not. I strongly argue that it is because a, 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 the definition of a commodity is a, is a need-based product that's interchangeable for similar product, meaning that, you know, if I need a, 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 a bushel of beans for my business, um, it's very interchangeable for another bushel of beans. Well, if you have four uh, corners in an intersection and you have four storage facilities, at each intersection, the empty 10 by 10 space is very interchangeable in the consumer's mind um, on all four corners. And it's, it's a need-based product. There aren't a lot of people that wake up in the morning, you know, dreaming about self-storage as a, as a service. It's usually <laughs> the result of a, of an event. So you take a, you take a commoditized product and you take the customers being consolidated and then you start looking at the real property consolidation happening. And usually the answer is scale um, and, and very small differentials in, in putting your product in a, in, a, in a premium position. In other words, having a differentiator and technology we feel in our industry is the key to that. Um, Let and me it's, Okay, I, I need to stop you real quick here because you just gone over some uh, incredible stuff, and I, I want to give some background here too to give context context to this subject. Um, when I first met Lance, um, however long ago that was, I can't even remember now. Um, we met because of discussions that we were having in the industry from my background, where we utilized technology. Um, 
that in the same exact approach, it was for uh, for brokerage firms and technology was concentrating the upper clients and uh, into the hands of the big boys. And so we joined an association that we created um, our own um, backbone of technology that would allow us to compete with those big boys to offset the consolidation and to remain independent. And when we looked at self-storage coming from our industry, this was the same wave that was happening. And we were very excited about it because we knew there was massive potential and benefit for it. So we started to really look at the industry. We had self-storage holdings and we met Lance um, right at the, the discussion. And I can tell you right now from our background in risk management, and we were managing over 800 million in, in corporate premium from multiple Fortune 500 companies and utilizing a lot of resources and technology to, to work this stuff. Um, it was the only conversation we'd had with anybody that we felt understood what was happening and understood this online retail and the importance of this space and what it would mean to the market. And it's funny looking back now because sure enough, these things that you were saying, they did, they played out. You're exactly right. It was roughly 10% of the ownership of the big boys, so to speak, the publicly traded guys, uh, it, it remained at 10%. And then in just the last, you know, really five, six years, this has started to change. And like that, we lost almost another 10%. It literally almost doubled. Um, and the principal driver of that, is, like you mentioned, this was the technology that was driving the retail space. And so to go into this a little, I want you to kind of go back and talk about some of the players and how this landscape has come to be and what the big boys were doing to set themselves up in this position. And then we can talk about kind of what that means moving forward and how operators today that are listening to this or future operators, what it means to them. So how, how did they kind of corner this market and what allows them? I mean, let's say, you know, I use one of the large, uh, property management systems. Why is that any different for me when if I'm, I can use Google ads? Right. I can do that. I can go on. Why is it different for me as opposed to the big boys? Well, what what's happened in in most businesses is is, is platforms have become critical to how you manage your business. It's not um, uh, it's no longer, uh, you know, a single piece of software that is that's managing your business. And um, just when, you know, when we got into uh, web development 20 years ago or however long ago that was, you know, you really just sort of got this one-stop shop, right? He went to somebody and it, it was somebody that was referred to you, you know, my, my, you know, my son makes websites, right? I mean, that's usually how those conversations started back then or um, my brother or some family member and, and they did everything right. They, they were really the, the, the creative and the UI and the UX and, and, you know, coded the website and now you you wouldn't think of you wouldn't think of building even a website like that you have you have sniper shooters that are all specifically targeted within certain areas of expertise to build a, a premium um, e-commerce type um, uh, site that's gonna that's going to convert and and um, compete for that customer when they come in and look for for in our case of our service 
that being space. Um, but then you can, you can basically take that same philosophy and then move it into the systems that we use to run our facilities, right? Whether they are, whether they're revenue management systems or access control systems or accounting systems um, or, or marketing systems or attribution systems or all of these different products that, or services that we may use to, to um, create what we think is a a competitive advantage. Uh, They are in our industry um, rather unsophisticated uh, they were never designed with the concept of, of the business going online. Right. And that's changed everything so dramatically that they are, they're not architected, um, from that perspective, meaning that, um, um, they don't expose the, the, the right information at the right time and in an efficient manner. And on top of that, they don't really work together. Right. And so when you're now trying to piece together multiple pieces of information to make good decisions on, for instance, you used Google AdWords as an example. And that's and that's a great example because it's a very expensive place. There are, you know, there are twenty dollar clicks in our industry now in um, not even primary markets. You know, yeah. I think I think uh, right now I think um, Nashville is in that twenty dollar range to just get somebody wow. to click on an ad. Yeah. And so if you don't have a, a, um, a whole set of tools within a platform that are working together so that you can attribute, uh, those $20 clicks to a customer that's moving in and their lifetime values, et cetera, to be able to really get to a, an understanding of a, a ROI, a return on investment, it's, it's a, it's a very difficult game to play. Um, on top of that, you know, when do you use that? Right. And these are some of the things that the big guys have advantages on um, because they have, they, they built platforms and they built their own operating systems and they weren't limited to um, um, specialists coming in and providing services because they could open up that, that platform to them and find out if what they, um, uh, if their product or service functioned and worked, they could adopt it. If it didn't, they could move on. The private operators have never had that option because there are, they are constricted within now what's nearly a monopoly in our storage industry. They have no freedom of choice and the systems are not open, right? Not, not that, that our industry has enough of a tech play to have an open source product because it, it doesn't but they're not open from the perspective of um, um, things that commoditize and change and, and, and bring value to the marketplace being able to adapt to it. And all these services are are siloed out. They're all siloed Mm -hmm. out and we have to pick one and you use it, but it's not talking to the other. So then it's almost like that information is irrelevant without the context bringing it together. yeah, or it becomes unmanageable, right? It, it's the the cost to manage it is so high, or it's so manual that it it doesn't make sense. That's not the world we live in. Uh, we need to be able to to make buying decisions quickly, and our customers need to be able to make buying decisions quickly. They need to be able to make it in in less than a second, right? From the perspective of of what's going to be presented to them, 
and um, um, and our systems aren't able to to adapt to those to those decisions. And you know, things that we talk about, you know, basic. Uh, we, you know, we hear about AI a lot. That, that's a good example, right? But AI um, can be used for listening to our calls and trying to determine if our if our um, staff is handling customers well, or if those calls that came in from various marketing channels were in fact marketing calls and not something else that, that um, uh, would dilute the, the, the value of the, of what you may think you're getting from um, that particular channel. So AI and BI are good examples and, and what we call RevMan, which is revenue management. You take, you take those things and you start putting them together. They're, they, they need massive access to our information. And, um, and we as real estate owners don't have the ability to do that. And what's, what's interesting, and I know all your, your, uh, you know, um, um, all your listeners are probably uh, aware of this, but our, our real estate isn't valued on, on whether we have metal doors or wooden doors or paper doors or, or concrete or asphalt or gravel or whatever, like that, none of that stuff really matters in the value of, of our real estate. Um, um, and, and so provided there's not a higher and better use for, for your real estate, meaning that maybe there's a, uh, a need for a, a multi-story residential tower on one of your spaces and the real estate is worth more than the, than the cap rate on your NOI, um, it, it, your, <clears throat> your property is valued when you go to sell it, buy it, refi it on a cap rate based on our NOI. Well, our NOI is, is based on the customers that are in there paying us um, rent on a monthly contract. And our, our entire industry is structured on a monthly contract, which gives us um, a lot of flexibility in how we manage those, those customers. And I, I kind of break it into new money and old money. When I think about software, new money is how do I close the next customer that, that knocks on my door um, in any way, shape or form most efficiently through what channels at the best ROI. And then once they're a customer, how do I manage them? Old money. How do I manage them most efficiently? And meaning that um, whether that be through, through upsells or rent raises or collection processes or any of those forms that we go through all the way through the lean process back to the, you know, what you see on, on TV, how do we, how do we maximize that whole process? Well, that becomes the value of your real estate. And so if you, if you think about it, it's not, it's not the building and it's not, it's not the stuff stored in the building. It's the information related to the people that are looking for your product or using your product. And you can just break that down and call that data. And so the, the, the entire valuation of our real estate is tied up in that data as we're looking for the customer and managing the customer, that new money, that old money. And to have that um, somehow uh, to be handicapped from being able to use that data uh, is, is the difference between the public company and the private company. Now they're, this is, they're unchained. Yeah. This is a, a, a really important um, 
conversation that, um, you know, Lance has been having for, for an extremely long time. And the landscape was changing. And correct me if, if you're wrong, it just seems like people either didn't understand, know, or care. Um, and I think that is definitely starting to change now. I think people are starting to feel the effects um, because I know that banks are seeing it and they want to know competitive advantage. They want to know who's running your facilities. They want to know how that's going to work. Um, we are in a competitive marketplace in most markets now, as you said before. Uh, I think a lot of operators were very much used to, if you build it, they will come. And uh, that has not been playing out so well in many, many markets across the United States right now. And this consolidation of the online presence, I want to kind of go back to this for a minute. You mentioned a couple different players. Um, could you explain to us that, so we obviously know we talked, you talked about and you mentioned how the big boys are doing it, right? All this data connects into their property management system, the revenue management system. It's dynamic. It's changing all the time. It's keyed into their online marketing strategies. They know who they know where they know when they know how to price units at any given click. Um, talk to me about these online aggregators. You mentioned these aggregators like uh, the likehotels.com. They don't own stores, though. So how do they play into this mix? So how did these people disrupt and what what is the role of these people in the industry? And is that good? Is it bad? And how's that work? Well, it, it's it's um, it's bad from a customer perspective if you really break it down because it, it drives up the customer acquisition costs substantially and ultimately um, drives up the cost of, of, of our service uh, of our product, but it's bad from the real estate um, perspective in that if you just follow the models that we have in, in travel and, and hospitality and retail as to what's happened in, in, in these, in these platforms or these reservation or buying or e-commerce systems, um, they've really taken the lion's share of the profit. So um, if you are in hospitality, you spend a tremendous amount of your gross revenue, um, maybe up to 30% of your gross revenue through online booking or, or OTAs, online travel agencies, which, which is huge. Our industry spends, you know, single digit in its entire marketing component. And, and, in, in, in simple economics, um, we outperformed the market for so many years that it started to attract the disruptors and the disruptors would be the ones that would say, Hey, I can come in and provide, um, a, a middle layer of service between you and your customer. Um, which is a, which is a nice way of saying, maybe I'll own your customer and then I will sell them to you. Um, because your margin is just so much higher than other commercial real estate ventures, you've got a lot of you've you've got a lot of margin to play with, you know. And I can charge quite a bit for that. And so they saw that opportunity, and they came in at a time when the storage operator uh, was was really slow on the uptake to giving a customer the an option of, of how they may want to do business with them, meaning that 
maybe the customer does want to go online. Maybe the customer does want to price comparison shop. Maybe the customer does want to um, sign a contract or move in without having to, you know, go down and, 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 you know, do a little mini phone book set of documents and read through them and spend 20 minutes in doing all those things. Right. You know, all the same stuff we did in rental cars and, and, and airline tickets and hotel rooms and in the past that now today, if we, if we were driven back into that model, we would be offended if, you know, um, uh, any of those processes took more than just a minute or two. Uh, and so since, since we, you know, sort of, um, left the customer up for a jump ball to the tech companies, they were able to step in and say, Hey, we can provide them all of those, those choices and those experiences. And they were able to start at a time where um, not only did the, did the real estate owners not understand where the customer was headed. They also didn't understand how the customer was, was selecting the, services and products and, 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 and items that they were using in their, in their lives. And so they ignored both of them, right? Perfect storm for disaster. And, um, and, and now we have, you know, a very significant online travel agency, OTA. That's um, not, not technically what it is, but we have those in our space now. So if you were, if any of our users were to search, you know, self-storage um, on their computer and look at those results, you will probably see things that maybe um, don't necessarily um, uh, sound like a storage company. You know, it's not public storage or, or key lock or storage outlet. It may say something like, you know, selfstorage.com, storage finders, you know, um, storage.com, right. Things that, that, that don't identify a brand. Those are, those are those directories. And um, so the, 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 the next component is that not only are they, you know, selling our, our customers to us, but as they take up that, that space online, right. Which we all know is limited. Like how many of us now go to page two to find things, right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we do, if it's something really crazy, cause you know, AJ and I are looking for like some crazy fluorocarbon line made by some, <laughs> you know, something for fishing. But, but short of that, like we're doing business on page one. Well, if you think about it, you know, you only have a handful of spaces on page one. So as those, as those companies take up those spaces, you know, take up two, three of those spaces. Well, that may be 30% of the real estate, which means for us as, as real estate owners, we're going to spend more to be in that space. So not only are we in a situation where we may be buying our customers, but now we're spending more and then we're spending more in the systems to determine how we should be on that space and how we should play. So it, it, you know, it, it just erodes on, on our, on our, on our margins. And it's, it, and it's something that um, we don't have to give up in the industry. And that's really been sort of my mission in the industry is saying, Hey, we don't have to, you know, stay asleep like the other commercial real estate folks did. And so if you think about retail, it's history, right? Uh, nobody thought a bookstore um, named Amazon could ever, you know, take their marketplace. Um, 
uh, you know, the same thing happened with the airlines, the same thing happened with hospitality, um, uh, multifamily has, has seen some disruption, right? Um, and so we have a very simple product. Um, um, if, if we choose to, um, and, and we start to think of technology as an investment and not an expense, which very few storage operators consider that very, very few, most of them hate technology. You know, I, I, I kid that it's not too long ago. They just learned how to text message and they're kind of pissed about it. Um, <laughs> and um, if, if they would change their mindset and say, you know what, there is no business any longer that's not being affected by tech and I need to understand it and, and get involved. Uh, they can, they can take back that real estate. It's not too late for us as to where hospitality it's airlines. It's, it, it's, it's too late. There's, there's retail, right? Um, you know, unless you want to go compete with Amazon, you're not, you, you, you're not competing, so to speak. And so, that's not an easy thing to do. And I, let, let me, let me say something yeah. to this. And this is, this is a business practice that I've always been very against. Um, but it's becoming very clear to me that it, it, you know, I've always thought that um, in business, when I meet a, a somebody who plays, um, poker tournaments at a high level that usually they're going to be a handful and they're not going to be much fun to do business with because, because in tournament poker, there's only one winner, right? All in tournaments, there's one winner. And in business, um, that's not the way that, that a lot of us like to think of business. We like to think that, that you can have a, a relationship that is not winner take all, but, if you look at what's happening in, in businesses and industries, that's radically changing. It's becoming a, a, a winner take all scenario, which really is um, disturbing. But the differentiator in, in the businesses and that winner take all strategy, the drivers usually tech. And uh, I don't want to be, um, uh, in, in an industry that I can't compete in that space. And so that's been a, that's, that's, that's been a big driver for us to, to, to go down that path and invest. And it's not easy. It's difficult. It's expensive. Um, you know, on, on top of that building an entire platform is, is, is really difficult, but, um, but, we don't want to wake up in, in five years and, and realize that, you know, winner took all and, and it wasn't us. No, I, I, I don't think you could have said it any better. Um, when we look at this and you talk about this data and the consolidation of data, um, it, it, it in return consolidates physical assets. Just uh, once again, the perfect example of that would be Amazon. Um, and nobody put that together. Retail was, you know, it was untouchable. It was, uh, it was, you know, it was one of the most secure bonds you could buy was retail real estate because it was never going to go away. Um, and it's funny how many people think that about their industries, how many think people think about that, what they do. And it's, uh, in today's age, it's kind of close minded and, uh, we all are all in 
the tech business. And I don't care what business you are. You are in the tech business. And uh, so we look for these kind of solutions to say, all right, how do we do this? Because I'm a storage operator. Um, So you've been working really hard to provide these kinds of solutions. And why don't you take us down, first of all, what you were trying to accomplish with Store Local and where that led, and then what are the um, solutions and what are you seeing as the way that we keep control over our data, that we control our margin through controlling the customer acquisition and through being able to compete online. Uh, what are the solutions for this? Well, so I don't know, it's probably about seven or eight years ago. Um, all of the terminology that's used today uh, is interchangeable for what we were pushing seven or eight years ago. And and um, you can just exchange the words. Um, we wanted we wanted to be able to automate systems and be able to automate facilities and processes. Um, we wanted to be able to reduce the FTEs, the full-time equivalents. Uh, that it took to operate a facility. Uh, we wanted to be able to operate smaller facilities, um, which typically has been a very difficult thing to do because our operating costs are, you know, similar if you have, you know, 50,000 feet or 100,000 feet. And so it, it, you know, I always targeted 85,000 square foot net rentable facilities for 15 years in, in, in development. Um, and a big part of that was the cost. They made more sense. They, they, there was more margin in them, right? You know, a, a 20,000 square foot facility made no sense. It, uh-huh. you, you, you lost money if you were fully occupied. Unless you had a way to, to run it differently. And, and that's automation. And, and, and what's, what, um, what's happened um, is, is COVID has... Uh, taken all of these concepts and terms and, and direction and sort of put it on the forefront. So what, what we called automated or online um, or e-commerce is now called touchless, right? Or contactless. You hear those two, those, those two words a lot. Um, What, um, whereas, do you even have employee employees accessible to you? Can you even be open based on, are you an essential business or not? Meaning automation, right? Um, now we, we have been fortunate in, in self-storage in that we have been able to keep our businesses open, but they have been, it's been very difficult to run them because we didn't have the system. All the systems that we're building solve all of, all of those problems or most of those problems from an operational perspective, marketing perspective, access control perspective. Um, so the, the, the other driver that, that, that we think is, is very evident as a result of, of what's happened. And, and we, we, you know, we, we knew this, especially, you know, I'm in California, uh, which is just about the worst place in the planet to be other than the mar- the market's good, but the cost of doing business is, is terrible. Um, uh, employee costs goes up, taxes go up. Well, now we're, now we believe we're going to see an acceleration 
in um, employee cost. We think as a result of this, we'll see workman's comp um, go up substantially. Um, we think that the, the, the argument for minimum wage expansion is going to be accelerated um, through what we've experienced in the last, you know, four or five months with the various uh, um, um, bailouts that, that Congress has put in place to where, you know, the, you know, the people in Cal, at least the, you know, I can't, I can't speak for the whole country, but that the bonus dollars or whatever the, the term is, you know, they're making about 24 bucks an hour on unemployment. Right. And yeah. the big push was for $15 an hour for minimum wage. Well, you can think about the, the, uh, mindset of the, um, of the, the, the workforce with what, the government is creating with the, the, the perception of, of the value. I don't think that um, $15 will be the, will be the floor. I think it'll be much higher. So if you look at all of these things combined, right, that, that, that we finally accelerated the concept in the minds of the storage operator, not the customer, the customer already wanted touchless, right? The customer didn't want to come in and talk to a storage manager for 20 minutes to get a 10 by 10, right? They wanted, how do I do it? What's it cost? Sign here. Thank you. You know, but but we changed the minds of the real estate people that said, Oh, like maybe like, Oh, I don't want to touch cash, you know, or, Oh, I, I don't, I want the customer to stand outside the door. Like, I mean, it was, it, it was an overnight shift, but what's next after that is the cost. So um, without, with, without the type of systems that um, we think are missing in the marketplace, how are we going to, how are we going to navigate that as operators? Cause that's, that directly affects um, our, our value of our property. It affects our NOI, but those systems that we're building allow us now to move into other markets, into other product types, into other opportunities that, that are being um, um, accelerated, uh, not only through COVID. I mean, retail has been dying, right, for a long time. We've, we've all known that. This was just, this just accelerated certain, certain types of buildings, right? You know, gymnasiums and, 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 and movie theaters and, um, several other types of, of, of real estate spaces are dark and probably never coming back. Well, you know, um, uh, uh, retail took out the, the Toys R Us's or the sports chalets of the world, right? I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. You go from Neiman Marcus, you know, on down, it doesn't matter, right? Up and down, right, left. Well, uh, there's a lot of opportunities there for us to, to provide storage, maybe even too many, but how do we operate those, those facilities? Um, how do we manage them? Uh, what sort of systems allow us to have a 5,000 or a square or a 10,000 square foot rentable facility? And, and that's the stuff we started seven or eight years ago. And it just, it, you know, COVID just put the, the, the big explanation mark on it and changed the mindset of everybody go, Oh, I need this. And we said, well, yeah, that's what we've been talking about. Oh, you know, I see the light. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, and so that's, that's, um, that's really the, the, the difference. And, and 
and, and it really just kind of goes back to having a system that our data is open to because there's, there is no way that our company, even with a, with a platform can build all of the systems, have all the creativity, have all of the expertise, um, all of the great ideas. There's just no way it's not, it's not possible. Uh, or, nor are, you know, are, you know, is our tech company going to go out and build, um, Uber delivers, you know, or, or some sort of fleet driverless car type operation, which drive around my office all day long, like a, like a racetrack. Um, I'm in one of the test areas for these things. Well, when, when we all know that's coming to market, we just don't know when. And um, when that does come to market, if we can't expose our data to a company like that, we can't participate. And that could be a major factor in the decision maker uh, deciding whether to rent my space or your space. Can they have things picked up and delivered, you know, through these, through these tools. Right. And so you're saying that the reason, one of the issues that we're having is the software systems that we're currently using are closed off systems. Yeah. So those opportunities, whereas if you got a, large, um, operator that's, uh, is a publicly traded company, all those, all the data that they have that needs to link up and do that, they can link up with whoever wide open, make the decision, you know, um, as the opportunity presents itself as to where you and I, and our systems, um, our decisions starts with going to all of these these vendors who effectively have our data and then us begging to use it um, and or even being limited in their systems not even being capable of doing or it. never they were never even thought of 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 this concept right yeah and and you know and I, I just and a willingness to, to change. Because, no, because they have they have a monopoly, yeah. um, and uh, and and you know, and, and and maybe they and by the way, maybe they do decide to participate. How much do they want to tax you on that? Yeah, right? and yeah. and 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 we know things are going to change. That the 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 banking industry's had a, a hold on on the merchant processing and credit card cost for years. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you think about from a tech perspective, there's no tech in that, right. It's 16 digits and expiration date name, right. There's no data that transfers back and forth yeah. to move money around, but yet they take, you know, you know, two, 3% of gross margins of operating businesses and providing very little service. Well, we know that's going to change. Uh, eventually, eventually um, the, the, the Amazons or the Apples or the Facebooks or the Googles of the world are going to come up with systems that um, are more efficient. And how do we take advantage of that? And, and, and we can't in yeah. the, the current system. Now, a public company, absolutely. Like instant, right? Mm -hmm. Us, no. Now imagine a 2% advantage Right. Yeah. On top of all their other advantages, just in that one, just yeah. in that one light item, 2%, that's like 8% NOI. Yeah. 2% gross revenue, 8%, boom. Yep. Advantage. Now what happens when they want to buy you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. What happens when they want to price in your marketplace on just, just that one light item? 
and they have multiple line items to play with like that. You know, it, it's so interesting as we as we talk about this and you understand, I hope that this conversation is helping people understand why this data is important and the the effects of it. I mean, you're talking about uh, uh, control, first of all, um, over the marketplace. Um, you're talking about um, price control you're, and you're also talking about opportunities and uh, the consolidation of facilities that is going on, the consolidation of technology and the bigger they become, the more prevalent and the more effective that data is. Um, why don't you touch on that real quick on size? So if I'm a storage operator and I just say, well, why don't I just get my data and then figure out what to do with it or how do I use that? Or, you know, the, you know, it's interesting as the conversations with those public companies and with the online aggregators and as their size gets larger, um, that doesn't drive down cost, right? Uh, we actually see a huge spike in cost as we've seen. If you took the last five years associated with all the increases in the cost that we have for the basic services of our facilities that we have to outsource to these individual silos as you look at it, costs are going up and they're going up fast. And it's in direct relationship with the consolidation of the large operators, third-party management, and uh, the um, ability for us to operate in those situations. So what is it in relationship to, to the technology and size that causes what would be assumed in a natural market setting? People would assume, oh, no, if it, you know, it's bigger, there's more of it, you would drive down cost, but it's the inverse – that the larger and the more consolidation rents don't drop, operational expenses don't drop, they're rising. Why is that correlation inverse? Well, it's become it's become more expensive. Um, but if you think about the the amount of data, was one of the the topics you made, and 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 I'm going to get these. This is. I'm going to completely screw these numbers up, but we did, we did research on this in the beginning of this year, actually. So this, this isn't that far. And we took um, the number of transactions public storage does, and then we compared it to um, one of our co-op members who has about 10, 12 stores. I don't remember about, you know, um, uh, maybe a million square feet. Um, I think that it was going to take him 147 years to have the same amount of data that they have in a year. Uh, from a transactional perspective to make decisions on, right? So if you think about the amount of data that happens with scale to be able to make decisions on and choices and make corrections on, they're, they're light years ahead of the smaller operator, right? And so we're trying to figure out how we handle um, uh, data security and be able to make decisions as, as, as investors in a group together to have, to, to have that scale. Um, cost, Costs go um, um, up and down with these these systems, and and I don't know if it's, if it's as important as the as the cost. It's understanding the the value of them, and and that's what we don't have as as smaller operators. It's very difficult to understand the value of 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 a system because we don't have a lot of data to to. Yeah. So yeah, objectively look and see if it's working, if it's not, if it's a wasted cost, or if we're getting an ROI. Yeah, or or we don't have access to the data to yeah. to tell, right? Like if 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 we really can't track, and that's a difficult thing, right? I mean, it, 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 the biggest companies in the world struggle on understanding the 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 you know the cost of of customer acquisition these days because it's 
it, you know, it changes, it changes very quickly. And, you know, what may be as simple as, um, you know, um, everybody that, that is probably been listening to your podcast for a while now thinks that storage facilities are on, you know, every other corner previous to their exposure, they didn't even really think about them. Right. Uh-huh. And it's one of those uh, awareness deals right yeah. now. It's like, oh, I'm thinking about it. Oh my God, they're, they're everywhere. And there's buy a, a red car. Then all of a sudden you see red cars everywhere. Yeah. They're, they're, they're everywhere. And so, um, the, the, um, well, I just, that's, there's your first edit. Cause I just completely forgot where I was going. <laughs> Perfect. We'll stop here just a second. <laughs> um, but when we're talking on large, uh, uh, uh data and, uh, um, I think to touch on like that large data, how it benefits us using an open system. So somebody that's utilizing an open system, how much benefit they get from being in that open system with other people. Yeah. So, okay, hold on. We'll start yeah. again here. Um, so let's edit it out there and we'll start in three, two, one. So, you know, having a large amount of data um, allows you to make decisions. And, and what we have been working on is, is um, not only protecting the, 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 the user's data, but giving them access to it, but figuring out how, out figuring out how to autonomize the data from the perspective of being able to make decisions on it without um, um, giving up any information related to, um, uh, you know, our customer base or, or, or business model so that, that people within the, 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 the systems can make decisions and, and, and decide that, you know, Oh, well, maybe this is a place that, you know, I should expand into from a marketing perspective or, um, or, or an offer that is made within, within my space or a place that may be more competitive to, um, um, find results in, you know, reviews, right. Do we really know, um, uh, do we really know the exact relationship between um, the 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 reviews that people perceive as as consumer advocacy type groups, right, and their decision making process? So, how much do we spend in our reputation management to make sure that that our reviews are as high as possible? And and where, right? There's you know there's multiple review systems, um, and where are our customers getting their information from and how are they basing their decisions? Right. So there's a lot of areas that we could share in and, and maybe, um, um, you know, things like your, your, your company was actually did something very progressive, excuse me, your company did something very progressive, uh, related to, um, um, how you handled your, your credit card, charges with your customers and that they all went into what in our industry we call auto pay. That's basically, they set up a reoccurring charge. So you pay a hundred dollars a month for your space. It happens on the first or whatever, you know, your, your business practice is, and it's charged automatically until further notice until you move, until you move out. And you decided that you wanted to go a hundred percent into that area. Um, if they were in credit cards and, as progressive as I am, I thought, 
man, that was going to, I was concerned that would hurt your business. And in fact, it did not. But we already knew from a data perspective over some scale that people in auto pay, uh, there were some other benefits to that. And, um, uh, you know, and they outweighed the idea that there's a lot of people in this industry that think, oh, well, if they're delinquent, that's great. We make fees. It's not really the, the case because the cost of managing those delinquencies and, um, you know, the time it takes for the, the staff to make those calls, et cetera, et cetera. And it's not a great experience for the customer, uh, you know, just on and on and on it. We're, we're really best off being paid on time. Yes. Um, so, you know, how, how, how do, how do we, how do we understand that those things make a difference and that, that the true value was there in putting those people on auto pay? You know, the delinquencies went down, the auctions went down, the reviews went up, right? I mean, just, just think of all the factors that that, that could affect that, yeah. that we don't necessarily have because none of those systems communicate with each other. So how do, how do, we, how do we gather that information? And those are the types of problems that, that, that we're solving with, with you know, business analytic tools and, and being able to share information. You know, I think, and this is an important thing. And once again, Lance, thank thank you so much for coming on. This is a world that, for some reason, self storage operators ignore. Um, and uh, we have lots of discussions. I mean, we have uh, over twenty five thousand, you know, monthly listeners, and I have calls and emails from these people every. And that's actually probably the least brought up subject. Um, which, technology. Which- and yeah. how it's affecting and what's changing, things like that. But I, and I understand because a lot of our listeners may be going, wow, this is complicated. This is over my head. And if you're the, the, the reason though we brought Lance on was to tell you, there's someone here that gets it. First of all, they understand, they see what's happening. They understand the concerns and they're out building solutions for this, right? This is one of the reasons that we've backed Lance and all his companies and what he's doing because we believe so firmly in the understanding this and the narrative and the change that it, that it, it will cause and create, which will in turn reflect um, massively in our operations and business. We view it as freedom. We literally view it as business freedom. It's like unshackling the chains that bound us because that is the point. That is what a lot of these, uh, um, these uh, isolated data um, holdings are trying to do. They shackle you to them through data control. Um, and that we just like very, very much to be told what to do here in Idaho and very much dislike to be shackled. And so we are looking for ways to it. Now I am not a, a tech guy, right? For anybody that's watched, uh, any of my zooms or anything else like that, you know, <laughs> I don't do tech, but, um, I do understand it and I understand the premise. And so finding people like Lance and Lance has done an incredible job. Let me tell you of hiring some of the top people and what store local has done, which has been incredible and where they're moving. It is to us, the freeing of the individual self-storage operator. Um, so don't worry if you're like, this is complicated and I don't understand it. The point being is now you understand that there's really smart people that are working on this. So, <laughs> you know, I think, again, it's well, you don't, yeah, you don't have to understand, understand how to build a no. roll-up door. Exactly. Right. You don't have to understand how to build rebar. Yep. Right. You don't have to, you don't have to understand civil engineering, right. 
or mechanical or electrical or plumbing, right? MEP, like that, that all of the things that you're going to have to do to be successful if you're developing, not if you're not necessarily acquisition, but if you're developing, um, you, you don't have to understand them to that level, but you have to understand what they are and when to use them. Exactly. And how to use them. You have to understand they're important. And that's, uh, you know, it's a tool at your disposal. And I think we've had a large awakening. I think people are, are coming to that. So, um, Lance, it's, it's been an hour. I don't, you are so busy. I'm so grateful for the time that you have given to us today. Um, for anybody wanting to know more about the solutions and anyone that's looking at to know more about what you're doing, is there a place we can direct our listeners to go to, to learn more about these things? A website? Yeah, tenantinc.com. Yeah, tenantinc.com or storelocal.com. Um, both of them are are you know great places to go if you're if you're new in the business. Store local is um, uh, uh, you know operators, the largest private operators in the world, uh, people with one store, all working together. It's a collective. It's a co-op. And Tenant Inc. is the 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 tech company. So um, you know there's there's information on there and contacts and. Love to hear from awesome. you guys. And I will let you guys know too that Lance is developing some exciting stuff, which is not quite uh, ready for us to talk about on this podcast, but he will be back on shortly in the next few months um, coming up here when uh, he's actually ready to talk more about it. And I'm probably going to do a few recordings and things like that so you guys can see what he's doing. And we'll present that to all of you so you can understand the options better and we'll have him back on. With that, Lance, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. We appreciate your time and sharing your knowledge. All right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, I know that was in depth. Um, but as you can tell, I think it's very important. Um, and I, I want you guys to know and understand that um, there are people out there that are working beyond full time. And there's literally tens of millions of dollars solving these problems. Um, if not more, and there's so many solutions. And this is one of the things that gets me excited about storage because it's so new and it's so up and coming and the opportunities that you have, like Lance said in there, other industries, they, it's too late for a lot of these industries, right? They've been hijacked by this. It's done. It's over. Mm -hmm. So hotels and retail and all this other kind of stuff, it's over. Self-storage, it's not. And we've been able to see what the other real estate asset classes went through, and we're able to, to spur it off and to give control to us, the operators, to the guys that are building, to the guys that are to keep our margins big and to keep operating in the way we want to. Absolutely. Such a fantastic episode. And just... Just highlighting that difference between market share of the real property, of the real estate and the online, you know, yes. and the technological side uh, as well is, is one of those things, dude, that I, I don't think I've heard anybody else talking about no. at all. You know, it's all the physical asset. That's yes. it. Um, whereas you do look at these other industries and uh, realize how important that market share of the technological side is in controlling the future of that asset class. Um, and like you said, it's a perfect opportunity right now um, to get into storage and to take advantage here at the ground level as that stuff is being built out to give control to owners and operators as opposed to these third parties that just like you know we were talking about are going to essentially extort you yes. <laughs> for yeah. that data, yeah. for that information, that access, whatever it is. And they control a the customer. Yeah. That's your customer. That's you nuts, them. dude. 
Oh, that was yeah. that was so good. I hope I hope Fantastic. you guys liked it. And if you guys did, if you found a lot of value in this, we're trying to have discussions that other people in the industry just aren't having. Um, once again, it's really important for me and Connor to get a hundred percent of the information out to you guys. We want to be completely open and we want to be having conversations that you guys are thinking about, but you don't know about, you don't know where to ask. And hopefully we're bringing in some of the top people in here to have in-depth conversations about what's going on that we believe you need to hear. If it's helpful, if you like it, please guys give us a five star and a good review that helps us out. And that way we can continue helping you guys out. But with that, we appreciate you and we'll talk to you later. Thanks guys. Thanks guys.